This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Good morning. I'm so glad to be sitting in the seat for Brian Kilmeade. Good morning. Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, just coming up later in the show, we have Katie Walsh Shields. She is the senior advisor for data at the RNC. And it, and also, uh, we have coming up this hour, Congressman Michael Waltz. He's with the House Armed Services Committee, and he's a former senior advisor for counterterrorism uh, for uh, Vice President Cheney. We're going to talk to them about, obviously, the RNC, but we're also going to find out a little bit about Biden's China policy. And Congressman Waltz will be at Trump's speech tonight, so we'll maybe get a little bit of a preview on that. Although I think if you're a fan of President Trump, you pretty much know what to expect from uh, tonight's speech. Now, if you missed last night, and you can't, I know so many people want to watch, but you can't watch the whole thing, and I watched all of the DNC and all of the RNC so far. And so I have actually become quite picky when it comes to speeches as to the ones that I like and the ones I don't like. And I'm like, oh, that was boring. <laughs> become a speech snob. So last night, the vice president spoke. And Mike Pence, to me, is such an intriguing character because you don't really hear much from him. He's not out there very much. He is going to be, he, I, I think we're going to be able to equate as far as like the amount of times you see them and their appearances. Mike Pence and Joe Biden will probably be on the same level. And you're going to see Kamala Harris being trotted out as much as the president, as President Trump is trotted out because Joe Biden's like on vacation in Delaware right now. He's not even he's not traveling. He's not campaigning. But today, because the president is supposed to speak tonight, they're trotting out Kamala Harris at about three o'clock Eastern. So a couple of hours before President Trump is to speak tonight. Notice that the presidential candidate for the Democrats is not coming out to speak tonight, to take, they're trying to take focus off of the president. But it's so obvious that the Democrats know that Biden isn't the one who's going to bring the attention. It's Harris who's going to bring the attention. She's a much better speaker. Now, Joe Biden can read a teleprompter like a champ. He should. He's been reading one for almost 50 years. I would think after about 50 years, you could probably, you know, teach, teach, you know, a, a parrot to be able to, to read a teleprompter really well by then. So he's, he actually can give a good speech as long as he sticks to the teleprompter. But I thought it's so interesting that they're trotting out Harris instead of Biden. All right. Uh, here's a little bit. I, I loved this part of Mike Pence's speech last night. So in case you missed it, I wanted to share it with you. Democrats spent four days attacking America. Joe Biden said that we were living through a season of darkness. But as President Trump said, where Joe Biden sees American darkness, we see American greatness. 
In these challenging times, our country needs a president who believes in America, who believes in the boundless capacity of the American people to meet any challenge, defeat any foe, and defend the freedoms we hold dear. America needs four more years of President Donald Trump in the White House. And it's so true. And you even hear this coming from the media. You heard CNN even say this, that the DNC was very dark and very gloomy. And that's the way the left is. If you have a friend who's a liberal, they wake up every day and there's something wrong with the world. Like every day, as soon as their feet hit the floor, there is, they realize, they open their eyes and like, oh, what a terrible world I live in. And, and there's just nothing right with it. Everything's a problem. Um, one of my friend's posted, you know, breakfast or she was out having breakfast and she posted a picture and somebody said, what? No bacon. They have great bacon there. She said, no one had to die to make my breakfast. It's like, wow, you could take a happy occasion like brunch and turn it into murder. I I just like, (laughs) they're just miserable people. And the DNC really reflected that. Um, Chris Wallace also is very intrigued. This is cut seven, Eric. Chris Wallace is also intrigued on the Trump-Pence relationship because they seem so different from each other, which is what really intrigues me about it. Here's Chris Wallace's analysis on the Trump-Pence relationship. I'm fascinated by the relationship between Mike Pence and Donald Trump. They could not be more different men. And yet, over these four years, Pence has been an utterly reliable, loyal partner to the president. I can't think of a single instance where he's put any daylight, either on purpose or inadvertently, between him and the president on either uh, policy or even on tone. Uh, You know, it's interesting because I think the comparison that's often made between Pence and Trump is the comparison with Bush 41 and his president, Ronald Reagan. Well, that ended up with a sweeping re-election victory, and then four years later, with George Mm. H.W. Bush being uh, elected himself as president, I think Mike Pence would be just fine with that. Yeah, uh, and, and but also Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, so diametrically different, right? You know, the age difference, which is fine. I get that you want a lot of times a younger uh, vice president, or if the president's older, you want an older vice president to to balance it out. You often hear, remember, you used to hear a lot about balancing out a northern state with a southern state or eastern with western. You couldn't have two candidates, both from the northeast or both from the south. They would have to balance that out. And then you have Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. One is lucid, one is not. One is cognizant of there being a race. The other one is is in Delaware on a bicycle, but Joe Biden's actually wearing a helmet now on his bicycle. And, you know, I think maybe they know that they can't just um, run this election with Joe Biden in his basement. There's actually a story out that, um, of course, on condition of anonymity, where Democrats are speaking to the press on the down low and saying things like uh, President Obama delivering his convention speech from Philadelphia. Uh, This one person anonymously, Democratic strategist, said, I think a lot of people thought if Obama can get on a plane and travel, why can't Biden? I know we all believe in science and building a contrast with Republicans on COVID. I get that. But no one I know is stuck at home. Folks are moving around. They're traveling. Some schools are reopening. I don't know how sustainable this is for Biden. You had Don Lemon and uh, Chris Cuomo on CNN to do this handoff that's really awkward and weird and it goes forever and they talk over the issues. And even Don Lemon said that Joe Biden uh, has to get out there. 
He's got he's got to start being seen. Uh, the Democrats held their convention virtually, almost 100 percent virtually, only a handful of speakers in Wisconsin that were actually in Wisconsin. And Biden accepted the nomination before an empty room. It was really awkward and weird. And I have to say for the Republicans, the, the Democrats actually being so closely tied to Hollywood, I was expecting this big, extravagant production. Like you would have thought that there were all these Hollywood producers who would want to weigh in. Instead, they had Julia Louis-Dreyfus trying to be funny. And now they had women, females uh, from Hollywood, actresses, comedians who uh, were like the MC of the, the DNC. And it was weird, especially Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who is a funny woman. She's a very funny woman. But I think when you don't have an audience, maybe some of them don't know how to be funny. There was no audience. And she kept going for these jokes and she would, you know, crack jokes about President Trump and there's no one to laugh at them. And at home, you're just like, wah, wah, you know, like it just kind of died and, and fell flat. Uh, let's go to cut eight here. This is Dana Perino talking about Joe Biden still hiding and how it may be a problem for the Democrats. If you let's look at the staging of this event, right? If you want to put on a good event for the vice president, you, they put one on tonight at Fort McHenry. That was a beautiful scene. The surprise of the of the president and the first lady arriving for this moment. It also is in stark contrast to the Biden campaign. There are ways that you can do some of these things in a safe way in the middle of coronavirus, and I feel like that the Biden-Harris team has got to figure out a way to get out of Delaware and get on the road and campaign because this this convention will give President Trump a little bit of a boost. Yes, President Trump is expecting a boost from this, but President Trump unexpectedly got a boost from the DNC. President Trump, according to the latest Zogby Analytics poll, which they do every week, the president's approval rating is now at 52%. That's the highest ever of his presidency. According to Zogby, his approval ratings among minorities, uh, African-Americans, 36%, according to Zogby, uh, approve of the president, as do 37% of Hispanics and 35% of Asians. Independent voters, their approval rating up to 44%. And as Zogby calls this intriguingly, 23% of Democrats are now approving of the president's job performance. Now, this is uh, this is the latest poll to show that the president's approval went up during the Democratic National Convention. Rasmussen had it at 51% at the end of the convention. And now in the ensuing uh, poll, it's up to 52%. According to Reuters, Joe Biden got no convention poll bounce which is traditional. They get a bounce afterwards because it was so great. And they, but, but Joe Biden wasn't part of it. And it was weird and awkward. You know, his grandkids came in to, uh, when they made the announcement, you know, that Joe Biden was you know, going to be you know, the presidential candidate. He, Joe looked actually surprised. And his kid, grandkids come in. He's not sure how many grandkids he has, by the way. He has technically seven. Sometimes he just says five. And then Jill corrected him and said, no, six, honey. And I was like, no, seven, honey. There's seven. I know how many grandchildren you have. How do you not know how many that they have? So um, anyway, uh, I, so, but the president's approval rating uh, jumping up to 52%. Another reason that they have to get Joe Biden out. They got to get him out into the public. 
uh, to, to, you know, let the public see his face. Coming up, Katie Walsh Shields, senior advisor, for, senior advisor, easy for me to say, for data at the RNC. She's coming up next. I'm Mary Walter. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. I thought it was a very well-crafted speech. Spent the first part of it uh, making as strong a case as you can imagine for the Trump record. I think he took some liberties in the way he described the president's response to the coronavirus, but that happens in political speeches. And then really took apart uh, Joe Biden's record on foreign policy, on the economy, on his response, the fact that he... And we all commented on it last week that he didn't say a word about the violence in the streets of America. And they're going to hammer that. No question about it. Uh, a, a very effective speech. That, of course, being Chris Wallace discussing President, uh, Vice President Pence's speech last night at the RNC. Here's a woman who knows a lot about what happens at those events. Katie Walsh Shields, Senior Advisor for Data at the RNC, and she was Chief of Staff of the RNC in 2016. Katie, thank you for taking the time to join us. Oh, thanks for having me. You can find her also on Twitter at KMWalsh underscore GOP if you would like to follow her. And, and why wouldn't you? Uh, you uh, also served as Deputy Chief of Staff for Impl- Implementation in the Trump administration. I'd like to talk about some of the challenges of putting something like this on. Uh, in, in normal times, it has to be daunting to put together an event like the RNC, like this huge four-day convention. Do you have any idea what is it like during COVID? From what I understand, they totally revamped everything in the matter of just a very short span of time relatively uh, compared to what you would normally spend planning this. What went on behind the scenes to make this happen? 
Well, Mary, look, I think, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, even in normal circumstances, conventions are huge lifts. I mean, these are things that take two years to put together. I mean, two and a half years before a convention, a city is selected, and then staff moves down to that city and really works in conjunction with the city for literally two years to put this event on. And in, you know, the days of COVID and what we've been dealing with leading up to the convention, what you saw here is the RNC and the campaign come together in an unprecedented way on an unprecedented timeline to have to put on an event in a, in a, you know, to a audience on the television with no in-person audience, which is very unusual. And so I think you've seen a remarkable effort by the RNC and the campaign to bring real American stories and real Americans um, understanding of what the president's done for them directly to the viewer at home. And I think it's quite frankly been remarkable. I think it has been wonderful, and I and I try very hard to not be biased when I watch these. I will purposely go to CNN or MSNBC or or something like that, in, especially for the after show <laughs> to get to get you know their analysis of it because I think it's important to not hear your own opinions echoed back to you. So I do try to go to one of those those two stations to try to get the after the after analysis. But I have to say, I, I think that the difference between the DNC and the RNC are so stark with the message and and the overarching way it has been presented. How involved was President Trump in the planning of this event? Oh, I'm sure he was incredibly involved. I mean, you know, this is a this is a president that has a background in uh, entertainment that has been involved in television for years and understands that medium incredibly well. Um, And I have no doubt that, I mean, he was involved at a very granular level, whether it comes to the speakers, whether it comes to the storytelling in terms of the themes. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm very confident that he had had his, you know, thoughts and opinions about everything to do with this. And I think it's shown through because I think the president's done an excellent job of showing real, of having real Americans tell their stories about president Trump and not allowing the media to filter it. I mean, I've had colleagues of mine, friends of mine really over the past three or four years at different points while I worked for the president, you know, come to me and say, Oh my gosh, I heard this or I heard that. And I have said to them over the years, that's just not the president. I know those aren't the policies I see him care about. That's not what I, what I've seen him work on. And that's not the man I know. And the media has had an opportunity the last three or four years to really color a lot of what the public has seen. And when you take all of that filter off and you give people four nights of the president and his administration being able to talk directly to the voters, it's amazing the difference you hear. And I've had colleagues say, well, I mean, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't know the president did that, or I didn't know the president did this, or I, I can't believe the media never talked about this. And so I think it's been a huge success from that perspective. And I think that's the president saying, I want to talk to the public about the issues I've actually been working on and not let the media define me anymore. Absolutely. Uh, you're a senior advisor for data at the RNC. How much stock do you put in the polls? You know, I like to remind people that going back to 2016, I mean, the polling really from June through the election day was just uh, remarkably inaccurate. Um, I think leading up to election day, there were only three polls out of about 140. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. 
His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Kind of reputable, quote unquote, reputable polls that, that are looked at across the spectrum had the president winning. And so while I think polls um, are often, we often use polls as a data point in our voter score system, which is what the RNC uses as opposed to polls. But we like to track voters over a long period of time and have communication with them over a much longer period than just a snapshot, which is often what a poll is. And so we don't put a ton of stock in polls. Stocks, or excuse me, polls can be used at times to take a snapshot of what people feel about a certain issue at a certain moment. But to get an understanding of where people feel and how they feel the country is going as they walk into the election booth, they've got to, you've got to really have a feeling for what they've cared about over a long period of time. And that's why I just don't think. Yeah, it's like interesting. Uh, the polling to me, you know, we, we seem to, I think it's human nature to, to run around and tout the one poll that comes out and says, Oh, the, you know, right. look, the president is 52% popularity and then ignore all the other ones. I just find it interesting. And I just had to ask you that question. Katie Walsh Shields. Thank you so much for your time. Have a fantastic day. Thanks for having me. You too. And coming up next is Congressman Michael Waltz. I'll talk to him. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. At the White House last night, most people in that crowd were not wearing masks and they were not social distancing at, at uh, Vice President Pence's address last night. That's absolutely right. No, it is. It's, it's very surprising. Again, often and we've asked the vice president this uh, publicly. Why is it so often they give us guidance and then they don't follow it? Everything from shaking hands to wearing masks to social distancing. And the administration has really, has really had any answers. Uh, yes, that was Gail King and Paula Reed pondering as to why uh, people aren't wearing masks outside. Well, Congressman Michael Waltz, he's on the House House Armed Services Committee. He's a former senior advisor for counterterrorism to Vice President Cheney. He may have some answers for us. He will be at the president's speech tonight. Uh, Congressman, thank you for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Good to be with you. So you heard what they had to say. Now, apparently, just as a caveat, Gail King also doesn't know about the uh, rioting that's happening with, uh, without social distancing and no masks. So, yeah. it, you know, she may not be an expert on the subject. What are the guidelines for tonight? Well, the, the, they've asked uh, uh, us to have masks. Uh, those are mandatory. I was just looking at the invitation. Uh, particularly when you're moving around some of the tighter spaces, the hallways of, um, of the White House heading in through the East Wing. Uh, but when we're sitting out there outside in spaced out chairs, uh, you know, listening to the president, uh, you know, I think it's perfectly acceptable to, to, to take your mask off. So uh, that's my understanding of what they're asking. Uh, and uh, look, at the end of the day, this is, a, this is yet another distraction. Uh, yesterday, it was an obsession over the Hatch Act and, and the president uh, giving a speech from, from the White House, uh, giving them a great, you know, having an immigration ceremony from the White House, having um, uh, a pardoning there, when really what they, what they don't want to talk about is the list of policies that uh, every speaker has been talking about and real Americans that have been a, uh, 
positively affected by them from trade policy uh, in how it affects fishing and Maine lobsters to uh, the USMCA trade deal to justice reform, uh, the judges that, that the president has put on the bench through the Senate, tax reform, deregulation, veterans reform. I mean, the, the president has been able to get more done in three years despite everything thrown against him. And that's what uh, you know, the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about, hasn't want to talk about, and what this convention is about is getting that message over to uh, uh, the, the voters and the rest of America. How many times have you heard the mainstream media talk about how many lives have been affected by the right to try legislation? Right. Where you know people with terminal illnesses uh, can go get whatever drugs that are out there because why? They've been diagnosed with a terminal illness. Uh, the president made that happen. It's common sense. But the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah, there were I actually learned because and I, I do this for a living. You know, I, I'm watching all news all the time and consuming from all different sources all the time. And there were some things that were mentioned during the the convention the last couple of nights that I didn't realize even happened. You know, when the, when the president was going to the um, uh, the prisoners uh, event, I think it's prisoners. I forget what the name of the organization is called. And he gave he granted a pardon to the gentleman who was involved in that and who founded that organization. That that was amazingly touching granting that pardon on national TV to that gentleman who clearly had no idea that it was coming. Um, you just saw the look on his face and the camera zoomed right in. It was, it was perfect. I didn't even know that the president spent been pushing. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that for people who didn't know, this was a a program for, for, to get prisoners who are going out into the real world being released to give them some skills and give them life skills and how to cope with it and and give them a start so that they can, they don't just get dumped onto the street with $15 in their pocket and a bag in in their hand with their belongings in it. And uh, the president went to one of the graduations for this program and he was supposed to be there for five minutes and he was there for an hour and a half and he shook the hand of every single prisoner who was graduating from that program. I had never heard that before. If that had been right. President Barack Obama, it would have been the lead story on every newscast. You would not have been able to avoid it. Well, you know, and the, and the Democrats have been pushing for justice reform since the 1994 Biden crime bill. Uh, and the president was finally able to get it done. Veterans uh, groups have been pushing for veterans accountability and for veterans to have choice. If you have to travel too far or wait too long or not get the care you need from the VA, because that is effectively government-run health care that liberals want to just take nationwide, then you can take a card and just go to your doctor. Veterans have been pushing that for that for years. The president got it done. Uh, you know, advocates of space power, seeing what the Russians and Chinese are doing to take down our assets that our economy depends on, uh, have put been pushing for more attention to it. The president got a whole new branch of the military dedicated to it in just a year and a half. And all of those things are, are again, what Democrats and the media don't want to talk about. But to your point, the humanizing piece of the president, every time I've been with him, he stops whatever we're doing when he sees a police officer and walks over, talks to him, asks him about uh, uh, how they're doing, and takes a photo with him without fail. Military members, people in uniform, first responders. And what I loved about yesterday's theme, the land of heroes, was that was acknowledged across the board. And what you didn't hear from the Democrats was uh, not only did they not mention the violence going on in our cities, but they didn't mention the 99.9 percent of our men and women in blue who put on that badge every day to keep our community safe. 
Uh, and, and that humanizing piece of the president uh, was so important to get across. I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you had brought up Joe Biden. Let, let's talk a little bit about what we didn't hear. We didn't hear what Joe Biden, how Joe Biden's going to do anything. We heard what he wants to finally do that he hasn't done in almost 50 years. But now in the next four years, he's going to accomplish these things. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Joe Biden's China policy. Uh, we've heard from Joe Biden that China is not a threat. What Do you have any idea how Joe Biden intends to handle China? Well, it's been very – he's actually been very clear over the years in multiple speeches. Uh, he sees the rise of China as a good thing. I mean, these are quotes, as a peaceful thing, as something to be celebrated. Uh, you know, that, that in, in just the last week, in an interview with ABC uh, and in another forum, he quoted Mao Zedong, the dictator, yes. the, the founder – of, uh, of the Chinese Communist Party responsible for tens of millions of deaths. One of his key advisors, Anita Dunn, lists Mao as one of her favorite philosophers. So I think it's very clear that he is going to be soft on China. He does not see them for the threat they are. And look, just you're, the listeners don't need to take this from me or even President Trump. Listen to Chairman Xi, the president of China's own words, when he talks about in the next decade being the dominant superpower where China calls the shots and the United States doesn't. Look at what they're doing to Hong Kong, the Muslim Uyghurs, the Tibetan Buddhists, the the persecution of Christians, and how they are on the march uh, around the world and creating just the the South China um, Morning Post just yesterday had a senior Chinese official threatening to use their production of pharmaceuticals against us if we don't back off when it comes uh, to Hong Kong and these other human rights issues, because now they produce 90 percent of our pharmaceuticals. So these are all things that the president has to take. uh, This is absolutely why we have to have the president reelected, because they are a threat not only to the United States, but to our freedoms around the world. Absolutely. And the president is the one, I think, who absolutely will will take that on. Uh, Before we run out of time here, the Democrats uh, have been quoted on condition of anonymity, several Democratic strategists being their titles, that they're concerned uh, that Joe Biden is not traveling. He's right now on vacation in Delaware. He's riding his bicycle with a helmet this time. And um, but he's not traveling around. They've got Kamala Harris coming out today at three o'clock to give a speech because President Trump's making his speech tonight. It's not Joe Biden giving that speech. It's Kamala Harris. How long can they keep hiding Joe Biden? Well, I think the the Democrats are really in a box here because you know let's let's look at the, just the last few months. I mean, the president, uh, you know, Vice President Biden, is not under any pressure. He's not stressed. He's in his comfortable basement. He, the the media certainly is not asking him any tough questions. I mean, you know, we saw uh, President Trump sit down with Chris Wallace in the Rose Garden in 98 degree weather uh, for almost two hours in uh, an extensive back and forth. He hasn't subjected himself to any of those things, and I think his handlers know that he is not in a physical or mental position to handle it. Uh, so I think they were hoping to cruise across the finish line. And I just want to say one more thing, because I'm in the House of Representatives and I'm dealing with Nancy Pelosi and the squad every week. They will run Washington, D.C. Kamala Harris, California Senator Nancy Pelosi, California Congresswoman, they will look to remake America to look like California. And the, and, uh, the disaster that it is right now, 
they will be running the White House, and the Senate is already indicating they'll get rid of the filibuster. Washington, D.C. is the next state to get two more senators, and they will pass national ballot harvesting to change the way we vote to lock down power. That's what's at stake here, and we have to get out as conservatives and Republicans to vote. Yeah, absolutely. And just one quick, I always say this whenever I get the chance to speak uh, with a congressman or woman, I always say to them, please, every morning, wake up and think to yourselves, what would Democrats do? Because Democrats are so proactive. They have a game plan. We know what their game plan is because they tell us what it is because they know that Republicans will be caught off guard somehow every single day time. You're seeing it with mail-in voting. We know what the plan is. We know they're going to contest the election. They told Joe Biden not to concede at all. It's out there. Republicans need to start fighting. That's the only thing I ask is to please start fighting. That's all. <laughs> I Listen, I wake up every day thinking about the Green Berets that I lost overseas uh, and, uh, and an America that cannot be led by socialists and a world that cannot be led by Chinese communists. I, that My commitment to their children uh, is is to have an America as we know and love it and that they died for. So I'm with you all the way. and You've got a fighter in Mike Waltz. Well, we appreciate that, Congressman Michael Waltz. Thank you so much. Enjoy the speech tonight. I'm so jealous that you get to go. Think of me watching at home, at home sitting in bed, uh, <laughs> wishing that I were there. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. All right. God bless, Mary. Talk to you soon. You too. It is 947 on WMAL. Oh, my gosh. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. You know, what we look for in America, we're, we're visionaries. We, we, we're hopeful. We work hard. We, we work toward the next month of our vacation. And, and what these young people are doing right now, not only are they working hard for their careers, but you have, we, we, a lot of Americans live vicariously through their teams. They want to feel upbeat, and they want to feel that they're winning something. Uh, and what, what the Democratic Party is doing, basically, is taking away everything that gives us hope, gives us uh, excitement. They are truly a dour, uh, dark, depressed uh, uh, a party. And, and on the other side of the coin, we're, we're, we're optimistic. And that was uh, Burgess Owens with Laura Ingram last night. He also spoke at the RNC. And I had to tell you again, because I watched all four nights of the DNC, watching all four nights of the RNC. And so I've become a bit of a speech snob. <laughs> I was like, eh, that's all right. Uh, but he gave one of the speeches last night that I thought was really, uh, it was well delivered. It was powerful. And he really drew the line between the Democrats and the Republicans. And you heard this theme throughout the night last night. And I, I don't, it wasn't really the theme of the night. The theme was American heroes. Uh, but the theme I heard a couple of times was the difference between the darkness of the DNC and the light at the RNC. And it was interesting because I kept thinking, boy, remember hope and change from the Obama administration? Remember Bill Clinton was the boy from hope, you know, the guy from hope, Arkansas. And, and, and we all kept hearing hope and change, hope and change for president Obama. And they had hope the left 
doesn't have hope. And I think that's a big motivator. I poo-pooed it before, but now that I see the contrast between what the RNC has been been showcasing, which which is hope, and that you know the economy is going to come back, and America's you know we have the, some of our best days are still ahead of us, and we can overcome these things, and we have to give you know young people something to live for. You heard Burgess Owens there talking about you've got to give these young people something, and he was talking about how um, you know major league. Uh, Major League Baseball, and uh, we have basketball and the women's NBA, uh, WNBA, and they're all not playing games because they're all protesting because everything's political now. If everything in your life is political, even candy, candy is political now. I, I picked up it. Anyway, the candy's political. It's, there's packaging now where it says on the packaging it has like some kind of social justice statement. I'm like, I can't enjoy my bag of candy, really? It's got to be political. And when you can't see a game, a sporting game that you enjoy to kind of get away from it, after a while, it becomes depressing. It really wears on your psyche. And that's what the Democrats are doing. They're very dour. They don't have the hope. I think that the Republicans have regained their groove. I think for a while there in like um, March, April, May, even into June, uh, there was a good four or five month period where I really felt that the president had lost his step. The president was somewhat lost a little bit, and I think it's because everything was just turned on its head, and he saw his economy that he worked so hard to create get trashed. And um, there was just so much coming at him. I I don't know. I was just watching him. I just kind of felt like he lost his groove. I now feel like both the president and the Republicans have their groove back. And maybe it's because I'm consuming the RNC, whereas people on the left probably aren't consuming the RNC. They're probably not watching it. I, and I'm, I'm willing to bet that there aren't a lot of right-leaning people in this country who watched the DNC. And I think that that's a mistake. I really think you have to consume media from the other side because now our media is so divided. Everything's divided. Everything's slanted. So I, I do, like I said earlier in, in the show, I, after each one of the conventions, after convention night, I would immediately go to CNN and MSNBC. Like last night, that's where I went. I went between the two because I wanted to see their analysis because I knew they were going to see it totally differently than I had. And I thought it would be good to see what, hear what they saw or what they heard, because I think it helps, you know, it, it helps broaden your world. Living in a bubble doesn't do you any good. So when you don't have that escape though, that Burgess Owens was talking about, it wears on you. You know, every day when I get off the air, <laughs> I go and I watch like Teen Mom or 90 Day Fiance or one of those shows where you don't need brain cells, right? What we do in the dark, what we do in the shadows, one of my favorite shows. I, I go watch something that is devoid of politics, devoid of this negative message that we keep getting, most of it being driven by the left, they're counting on people being so miserable that you're just going to vote for change. But I think the opposite is happening, and I could be wrong. But I think that people are seeing what's happening in our cities, and they're tired of, I think, what are we on, 90 days of rioting in Portland? There's nothing left to destroy in some of these neighborhoods, and they've had enough. And I think you're going to, instead of them saying, okay, we're going to elect Joe Biden, take the gun away from my head. I'll, I'll elect the guy you want me to elect if you just take the gun away from my head. I think people are going to look at this, I hope, and start to wake up and say, wait a minute, how about a little law and order? Something the Democrats did not address. 
and that needs to be addressed. Joe Biden finally did, but it wasn't that great. I'm Mary Walter. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Good morning. Yes, Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade today and happy to do so. Uh, let's, let's talk about the rioting that is happening because it's moving across the country, coming soon to a city near you. And they're going to start, once they ravage the cities, they'll move into the suburbs because that's always a happy thought. And, and I think people are saying, oh, well, you know, it's not happening to me. So it's just something that's happening on TV. You know, it's over there. But who ever thought that we'd see rioting in Kenosha, right? Whoever thought that that would happen? And, um, but it is, it's happening. And it's, and we had now three people shot in Kenosha. Two of them have died, two fatally, three people shot. And I hate to say it, but you knew this was coming. I, anyone who's surprised that there were people shot, I, I I just don't understand how you didn't know that that's where this was going to go. This has escalated and been allowed to escalate. And these people have been allowed to come from all over the country, cross state lines to commit these crimes with impunity. I, I often say to myself, you know, do their parents not know where they are? Cause most of them are, you know, the, the, the kid who was arrested for the shooting in Kenosha, 17 years old. He came from 20, about 20 miles away in near Chicago. But I, um, I think that's where he was from. But anyway, um, I was just like, where do, do their parents not know where their kids are? Like when your kid leaves the house with a long, a long arm, you know, long gun and, um, and they're dressed, you know, in camo and, you know, a helmet and, and goggles and things, and, you know, a lot of pads and things. Doesn't your, one of the parents look up from their iPad and go, uh, where are you going? We couldn't leave the house. My mother could have been a part of the CIA. She truly, she could have been secret service. She could have been a double agent and no one would have known because that woman knew where we were at all times, except like when we were kids and she'd send us out of the house and tell us not to come back to the streetlights were on. My parents had no clue where we were then, but all the parents were watching out because they were mildly cognizant of what their children were doing. 20 somethings. My parents would be like, so do you not have a job? I, where are you getting your money? What do you mean you're traveling? You're going to be gone for a couple of days. And why are you collecting all of our water bottles? There would have been questions asked. So I, honestly, I fall to some extent parents who either didn't pay attention to their kids before or just aren't paying any attention to where they are now. Now, some of these people are older. Some of these protesters, rioters, I'm sorry, they're not protesters, they're rioters. Some of these rioters are, um, you know, in their thirties, one of the guys who got shot was 35 years old. So some of them are older and, um, you know, they're, they're on their own at that point. I kind of figure if you're 30 some odd years old and you have time at night to go out and wreak havoc like that and destroy other people's belongings, there's, you know, there's not a whole lot of, of um, hope for you. But one of the big complaints that we've heard is that nowhere during the DNC last week, did you hear anyone condemn the rioting? 
the violence, the looting, the destroying of innocent people's lives. And that, and no one declared that it has to stop. So somebody finally slipped a note under Joe Biden's door to the basement and let him know that this was going on and that he probably should say something about it. And so he did. This is cut 11, Eric. Uh, Joe Biden finally came out and said something about the rioting. Protesting brutality is a right and absolutely necessary. But burning down communities is not protest. It's needless violence. Violence that endangers lives. Violence that guts businesses and shutters businesses that serve the community. That's wrong. Let's unite and heal. Do justice. End the violence. And end systemic racism in this country now. It was very, very powerful, Joe. Thank you so much for that. Go, go back to your nap. Um, President Trump, though, doing something. President Trump has been calling for for National Guard. President Trump has offered, has begged these mayors and these governors to allow him to send the National Guard in because he can't just do it. And if he did, they would be screaming that he's a dictator. But yet they're simultaneously trying to blame the president for this violence and for what's happening in these cities and these lives being ruined. They did have, they did arrest a 17-year-old suspect in those shootings in Kenosha. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse was arrested in Antioch, Illinois, uh, 17 years old. He's about 20 miles southwest of Kenosha on, on suspicion of intentional first-degree homicide. Uh, so I want to get to our guest now, Richie McGinnis. He's the chief video editor for The Daily Caller. And Richie has been everywhere, and I, and I, I kind of feel badly asking him to tell his story again because I'm sure he's been telling it a zillion times and has just relived it over and over and doesn't want to do that anymore. But, Richie... Thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. And I don't mind retelling it at all because I think it's important that this story gets told. I think it's important that the real stories from inside of these protests get told. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, and, and Richie is is there on the ground along with some other reporters for The Daily Caller who have been there on the ground and risking clearly themselves with their safety. And it makes me very nervous when I see these. But you were the guy that everyone's talking about that was there when one of those victims was shot in the head right where you were and you rendered first aid to that man and the video from that from one of your colleagues is just incredible and and shocking and gripping and sad so if you can just very briefly tell us about what happened and what you saw because what you saw is really important to this story mm-hmm. yeah well i basically interviewed um what i later found out was the alleged shooter, Kyle, uh, just a few minutes, maybe 20 minutes before he actually, that the shooting took place. And he, he told me that he was there um, both to provide protection for the business that he was standing in front of, as well as to render medical aid uh, to any protesters that might need it. And shortly after that, he said he was going to go ahead and see if he could uh, find anybody who needed his medical assistance, at which point he, he headed in, uh, the direction of where the protesters were. They'd just been moved and cleared out by uh, riot control. And uh, maybe 15 minutes later, I, I was doing another interview uh, down around where the protesters were, and I saw, saw Kyle, and I saw a bunch of people yelling at him. And within a few moments of, of them yelling at him, uh, things escalated to kind of a chase. And there were a lot of people running around and screaming, but what I saw was the one individual who eventually got shot uh, running towards Kyle. Kyle turned around and ran away, and the man pursued him. 
and Kyle ran into the parking lot just off the street, uh, at which point he, he kind of accidentally quarter, cornered himself. Um, and he, I was running after both of them, you know, trying to just scream, everybody calm down, you know, because knowing that he had a gun, uh, I didn't want things to escalate to know to where I know they, they could escalate. And uh, when Kyle turned around, the man went to grab at his gun, or at least he lunged in that direction and, and reached his hand out as if he was grabbing for the barrel of the gun. Kyle, uh, Kyle avoided that and uh, raised the rifle. And actually, I was right behind the man. And so when Kyle turned around, I realized that I was also in the line of fire. I took two steps back. I was only seven feet behind them. And uh, at that point, right after the man swiped for the gun, Kyle avoided it and, and shot three shots. And uh, obviously, one of those shots hit the man in the head. Another one of those shots kicked off the ground in front of me and uh, felt some concrete or something hit me in the leg. Um, but once I realized that I was fine um, and I saw that Kyle was running, I, my first instinct was to help the man who was lying lifeless on the ground. And actually, I didn't realize at the time, but when I bent down to help the man, uh, somebody ran up behind me. And it was actually, uh, after reviewing the footage, it was actually the shooter himself or the alleged shooter himself. Uh, and he had run around the car and then back behind me. And I yelled at him, call 911. And I didn't even realize until hours later that that was actually the initial uh, shooter who was standing behind me. He pulled out a phone. I don't know who he called or what he did, but he, he, he ran away moments later. And uh, a crowd of people descended on the body as we were trying to render uh, medical aid. And obviously the wounds were far too significant for him to survive, which I realized pretty soon. But uh, I tried my best to get him to the hospital as quickly as I could. It's a, thank God you were there again. I, I know he died, but still you were there. And I think that that was super important, if not just to help him and to get him to a hospital, but you're the eyewitness to all of this. And I would assume that you spent some time with the police telling your story. And I'm glad that you're being able to tell it. Are, are, are the police okay with you talking about, I would assume they're okay with you telling this story freely, right? They haven't told you not to talk to people about certain things, have they? No, they haven't. And the only person who's telling me, who's cautioning me on that is uh, my lawyer, who is actually just my best friend's dad. <laughs> but so I don't <laughs> actually have a lawyer. But, um, you know, he he just emphasized the gravity of the situation. And obviously the, the prominence of this entire event uh, has really um, blown up. And, and so I'm glad that he at least, you know, cautioned me because – Seeing the, the amount of misinformation out there regarding this event is, is really pretty staggering. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to really settle myself before I come out and really tell the full story. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm prepared to do that now. And that's one of the reasons why I'm speaking with you, because after seeing all of the different speculations out there about whether or not he was defending himself or – I don't care what the terminology is. What I saw with my own two eyes was uh, Kyle running away and the man who was shot pursuing him and then, and then lunging for his weapon. That's what I saw. I won't determine, you know, it's up to a court of law to determine what the culpability is there. But the fact that that, those, that, those facts that I just listed are, are being completely disputed by like half our media landscape that's very concerning to me.
And and that's exactly what I was going to say to you is going to bring up the fact that this is so different from what I've been hearing. You know, I've been hearing this guy was a Trump supporter. He was out there in the middle of the street, just wildly shooting at people. This is what those people are like. And I'm thinking to myself, no, if you had, you know, listened because you have been out telling your story. And I, you know, as of last night, I saw you out, uh, you were on with Tucker and I, I know telling your story and it is different than what the media has been portraying. They so desperately want to portray this. And he's a kid, he's 17 years old. Uh, portray yeah. this kid as someone who was just, you know, a Trump supporter had, you know, gone off just wildly shooting at protesters in the street. And based on what you've told us, he was running away from people who, for whatever reason, were trying to harm him. And it wasn't yeah. until he well, was cornered. I'll tell you, Mary, I'll tell you, I think um, I do have um, one thing to say just regarding, you know, what I, I do think that Kyle was drawing a lot of attention to himself um, walking down the street. Uh, with an AR-15 in his hand, or what I presume to be an AR-15, and a fire extinguisher in the other hand, and just saying, does anybody need medical aid? So obviously his intentions appeared to be good at that time, but the reality is is that in these kind of zones, if you're walking around like that, you're going to draw a lot of the negative attention. So I don't think he was aware of that. No, he's a kid. Yeah. Um, So I think that that is what I saw, and that's my understanding of why um, people initially started to chase him. I'm, I'm obviously speculating in that respect as to, because basically I just heard shouting, but about a couple minutes prior to that, I saw him walking down the street um, and actually some individuals that I were, was interviewing um, shouted at him. Um, oh yeah, I saw you earlier uh, telling us to get off those cars. So clearly he had drawn some negative attention by uh, being there with yeah. that weapon. But uh that, that that conversation isn't even being had. It's just all about you know the which side you're on, whether or not you you think um, it was quote unquote self defense or whether or not it was a quote unquote you know homicide uh, undeserved undeserved shooting yeah, uh, yeah and um, or murder in fact that's what he's being charged with. But I, I'm not again I'm not going to speculate on which of right. those two things it is. I'm just I'm just saying that the facts being laid before the American public are distorted in an, in an incredible way that is, is very concerning for me. And it's, it's honestly, it's a, it's a culmination of, of what I've seen at these protests over the last three months, uh, going yeah. to DC, New York, Seattle, Portland. I mean, every place it's the same. you know, you have one side telling one story another side yeah. telling another, and nobody, nobody's really just on the ground, just talking about what they're seeing. Richie, very quickly, because we're, we're running up uh, out of time, and I know you have to go. The gentleman, that, the man that you helped who was shot, was that uh, Joseph Rosenbaum, or was that um, the Anthony Huber? One was 36, one was 26. Do you know which one it was? I believe it, I believe it was Joseph Rosenbaum. And okay. It was actually hard for me to tell because he had the shirt wrapped around his head, and I kept it wrapped around his head because that was helping to stop the bleeding. Right. Um, but I, I, I believe that that was the individual. Him. And actually— um, yeah, actually, uh, on our way to the hospital, you know, I was feeling his pulse and it was extremely weak and, uh, he barely, uh, had a breath left in his yeah. lungs by the time we got him on the gurney. But, um, 
Well, Andy, Andy, no. I, the reason I ask is Andy, no, is reporting that vid, there's video now that sh, uh, allegedly shows him chasing Kyle and throwing something mm-hmm. at him. So mm-hmm. I, I, I was more and more of the story is starting to come out. Uh, Richie McGinnis, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for you know telling the story so in order to get the truth out there. What you saw as an eyewitness to this, and again, of course, thank you so much for doing everything you possibly could to help save that man's life. Uh, you were a blessing. For him in that in that moment, thank you for that, Richie. Have uh, have a good day. Get some sleep. You too. Will do. <laughs> I need some sleep too, so I'm going to do it as well. It's uh, Richie McGinnis, chief video editor for the Daily Caller. I'm going to take some of your calls. 866-408-7669. Um, and I have some questions to ask you about the violence. Why have Democrats been ignoring it? Your calls coming up on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts information you want truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade show any elected official who has law enforcement responsibility and won't do it needs to resign that means these democrat governors and mayors who are allowing their streets to descend into chaos allowing workers and their families to be assaulted they need to resign that was Senator Josh Hawley on with Tucker Carlson last night and I asked the question about these riots why why have these Democrat governors and mayors, and they are, if there's a Republican one, I'm, I'm more than willing to call them out, but I just haven't heard of any yet. It's been all, all, all Democrats, uh, governors and mayors. Why are they allowing their cities and their people to be destroyed? 866-408-7669. Rob on Long Island listening on WABC. Rob, we got about 90 seconds here. Hi. Yeah. Hi, how are you? You know, I'm just wondering, why are we vilifying this 17-year-old kid? And I'm not mm-hmm. saying you. I'm saying the overall mainstream media. But we have yet to hold any looters or rioters or people, arsonists, burning down these cities. Nobody's held them accountable. Yep. This kid is a hero. And I tell you, that was a wake-up call to gun-owning Americans that we are not going to stand for this anymore. These people are destroying our country, and we're going to stand up, and we're going to take it back. And that's the last thing they want. Well, um, and thank you. Thank you for kicking it off for us, Rob. If you want to jump in, 866-408-7669. And that's why we had Richie McGinnis on. Uh, you just heard him about 15 minutes ago here talking about what he saw. He was a witness to the shooting. And he gave the cops his story about what he saw to counter the narrative that is out there. And again, it's just his eyewitness account of what he saw. Can't do more than that. More of your calls coming up right here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to, to your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. I got to tell you, they've got to take quicker, swifter action there. 
we went through a situation like this several years ago, and we called that. We brought the Wisconsin State Patrol in. We brought the National Guard in. We did it immediately. And the other thing that actually helped at the time was clergy coming to try and defuse that situation mm -hmm. in Milwaukee, and it never even got close to escalating into something like this. But sadly, the governor and other officials uh, haven't acted as quickly. Now, thankfully, they finally took the uh, advice from the president and accepted his help. That was former Governor Scott Walker on with Martha talking about the rioting happening in Wisconsin and, and what's going on there and, and why the Democrats are allowing this to fester and grow out of control. And he's right. Uh, the president did announce that he will be sending the federal federal law enforcement and the National Guard to Kenosha after the shootings uh, that we just saw. I guess that was two nights ago. So that was uh, Monday night. He tweeted out, we will not stand for looting, arson, violence, and lawlessness on American streets. My team just got off the phone with Governor Evers, who agreed to accept federal assistance. Portland should do the same. Today, I will be sending federal law enforcement and the National Guard to Kenosha, Wisconsin, to restore law and order. Those are two themes you hear a lot coming from the right now. Law and order, law and order, law and order. And that is President Trump is now being known for the law and order, and that's what the Republicans are being known for, and you're starting to see the Democrats uh, didn't address it. They didn't address it during the RNC, and I think that that was a big mistake for them. That was that was a, a risk. That was a gamble they made by not addressing it and pretending like it's not happening. A, a CNN had a cry on. Did you see this? There was a reporter for CNN, and behind him, you just see these cars. It was a dealership in flames. And is it something about, you know, uh, about the third night of peaceful protests was the picture underneath it. And I thought, what? It's making the rounds. If you, it, you'll probably see it. And I just thought, wait, what? How is that happening? So uh, it, they're, they're just putting out this narrative as if you don't believe your own lion eyes. Even though there's there are reporters standing in front of a car dealership with just shells that burned up buildings and flames behind them. It's like Baghdad Bob. Remember Baghdad Bob? No, nothing to see here. Everything's fine. The Americans are not winning. We're beating evil Satan. <laughs> He's like in a flak jacket and a helmet because there's bombs dropping over his head. So why do you think that the Democrats are, are making this gamble of ignoring these protests and these riots and allowing President Trump to be the law and order candidate? Uh, Jose in Houston on KSCV. Jose, good morning. You are on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hello. Good morning, Mary. I just wanted to have a conversation and play uh, devil's advocate. Uh, if you remember, uh, a while back, there was a ruling by the Supreme Court that said that uh, the authorities or the FBI or whatever Justice Department you were dealing with was allowed to lie to you to, uh, in order for, to get you to incriminate yourself or in order to get whatever needed, needed to be uh, extracted from you uh, for their purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think I think when that happens, uh, we start to play an unplayable game. Uh, for example, there's there uh, there's also the practice by police to entrap people by pretending to be either uh, prostitutes or uh, children or whatever they need to do to get you to incriminate yourself. Uh, a justice system that has the right and the ability uh, to deceive the other fails to continue to be a justice system. 
And I think some some of this that that could be the head of the Hydra that is bringing this strife uh, in our country. Uh, if if this is to be fixed, I think that President Trump should come out and say that is going to be repealed. Our justice system will serve you with justice and not with deception. Uh, again, we are playing a game. Okay. It, Ahead, let me just respond because it, again, it's 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 only a, a couple hour show. Here's the thing. So what you're talking about is deception, like what they did to Michael Flynn. They lied to him. They set him up. They told him that they were you know going to do what they had to do. They threatened his son in order to get him to plead guilty to a crime to to something that wasn't even a crime. Do I believe that can happen? Absolutely. Do I believe it happens? Absolutely. Do I believe all FBI agents are bad? And based on that one incident, no, I don't. Same thing with cops. Do I believe some cops are dirty? Sure do. Do I believe they're all dirty? Nope, I don't. Same thing with teachers and doctors and in every single profession. That's number one. But you lost me when you talk about, yeah, you know, they pretend to be, they pretend to be uh, prostitutes or they pretend to be uh, children on the internet and lure these people in. Yeah, I'm a big fan of getting, of getting pedophiles off the street. And if it, that happens because there is a sting operation where there are some cops online uh, as posing as children and some, some, you know, 35 year old guy in, sitting in a Barco lounger in the middle of America somewhere contacts this kid who thinks it's a 14 year old girl he's talking to and they get him to fly to meet this 14 year old girl because he thinks he, that he can have sex with a 14 year old girl. I'm pretty much okay with that. That's not entrapment. Nobody told you that you had to contact her. No one tells you you have to offer the prostitute money. No one tells you you have to do that. No one tells you to go to the drug dealer and give them money. That's a choice you make of your own free will. So you lost me at that's that that's a dishonest part of our of our our law enforcement system. You lost me there. I was with you right up until that point. I, I agree with you completely with what you just said in principle. Okay, but that's in principle. In practice, it doesn't work. I mean, that all that crime can actually be fought with 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 actual crime that's happening. Not pretending, not 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 installing the system or establishing a situation to bring those people into that. That crime is happening. I know that crime is happening, and 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 it should not happen. But what I'm saying is, when they're allowed to deceive and when the justice system is allowed to entrap, that right there becomes an unplayable game. And maybe well, people are not able to articulate that. But that is exactly what's happening. It's an unplayable game. And well, we and we, we can get into it more, but we don't have the time now, Jose. Uh, but I appreciate you, you bringing it up. I'm, I'm just a little confused about, quote unquote, entrapment. If, again, if you're if you take the bait, you know, if someone leaves the keys in the car, you know, and it's law enforcement and they leave the keys in the car and it's one of those cars where the do- doors automatically lock if you take it and it's not yours, that type of thing. And you choose, if you see the keys in the car and you look in the window and you choose to jump in, start the engine and drive off in a car that's not yours, I don't call that entrapment. I call that you making a choice to commit a crime. If they left the candy there for you to steal and you chose to steal it, that's on you, not on them.
That's, I, I don't know. That's just the way that I look at it. So maybe I don't, I don't quite understand. Uh, let's move on to Norfolk, Virginia. Harvey on WNIS. Hey, Harvey, good morning. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hey, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I'm an independent. I definitely believe in the Second Amendment. I own long arm guns and also own handguns. However, President Trump is promoting this mayhem with putting these people on the streets with guns. And the, 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 the guy that uh, created the shooting, he was not the only one there acting as a vigilante. Now, you, you want to talk about the, the Democrats. You know, what about Trump promoting these people to go out there with long guns? That is, we don't have that vigilantes in the United States of America. Can, can you tell me when he, he came out and promoted that and told people to arm themselves and roam the streets of these areas as vigilantes? He, the vigilante, I mean, he promotes that he wants to be the law and order. So why, if, okay, if you're going to come down on the people that's out there looting and rioting, which I'm totally against, I want to hear him speak out about people taking the law in their own hand, taking out long guns to protect property. That's what the police yeah. was supposed to be there. So I, I'd like I, to see I, him split, split it down the middle and be fair on both sides. And I'd like to see you do that as well versus saying all the Democrats are bad and the Republicans mm-hmm. are good mm-hmm. and not speak about the vigilantes. Okay, so you made an allegation about the president. When I asked you to back it up, you backed off of it. So the president has not gone out there and has, has not come out in public and said uh, law and order means getting armed citizens who can who can get out there should get out there and patrol the streets with their long guns and they should get out there and they should act as armed vigilantes. He never said that, never encouraged that period. So what you allege to start this off with is false. That's the first thing. All right. And I'm not, no one is saying that what Kyle Rittenhouse allegedly did was right or wrong. I'm reserving judgment until I let the, all the facts come in. The people who chose, who, who chose to go out and just start riding immediately without knowing what really happened with any of these shootings. They just know that a black man got shot by a white cop. So therefore we need to destroy those people are doing that. And I think that's wrong. When the president talks about law and order, he's talking about innocent until proven guilty. He's talking about waiting until all the facts are out before we make a judgment. Those are the things he's talking about. He's talking about preserving the businesses and the livelihoods of innocent people who were having those things destroyed. He never once said that that should be done by private citizens. He wants to send in the National Guard. He wants to send in federal law enforcement in order to do that job. But those mayors and governors are not allowing that. But, uh, you know, for you to make that allegation is disingenuous at best, you know, to say, well, there's good people on both sides. I remember the president getting in trouble for that, if I remember correctly, because that was taken out of context. So um, I, I think he's reserving judgment. All he is saying, as far as law and order goes, is let the professionals do the job. Please bring in help. Ask for help. Allow me to send help in. And so far, those Democrat governors and mayors have said no. We're not going to allow the professionals to come in and they're leaving the citizens of their areas to their own devices to try to have to defend their own properties and defend their own livelihoods. They're setting these buildings on fire when people live above them. What are those people supposed to do? Now you're threatening my life, literally. Now I'm not saying that's what happened with Kyle. I'm not saying that's the story at all. But I am saying that we need to wait until all the facts are in before we decide to ruin someone else's life. That's all. 
Thank you so much for the, for the call. I appreciate it. Um, you know, quick break. I'll get back to more of your calls at 866-408-7669. I'm Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade on the Brian Kilmeade show. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade uh, talking about the violence and, and why is this being allowed to play out in these cities? Yes, if there's a Republican governor or mayor who's allowing this to play out in their city, this violence and, and allow it to be destroyed, tell me about it. I'm open to it. I only know of Democrat ones. So if you want to correct me, feel free. I'm totally open to that. 866-408-7669. Let's actually take a caller from Kenosha. Janine, good morning. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Good morning, Mary. So um, what's it like know, in Kenosha? What is it like being a citizen of Kenosha right now? It a resident is awful. Of you know, I moved here, um, you know, about 24 years ago. My parents moved us up here um, from Chicago to escape the violence, to escape the madness that was going on there. Um, I'm an adult now, obviously, and, you know, it's not peaceful here. It has been horrible. Um, buildings burned. A 70-year-old man had his jaw broken while non-lethally defending his business. Yep. Um, and it wasn't Trump who said for people to go arm themselves and walk the streets. That was homegrown American citizens in this town who love the Second Amendment, like myself, and said, we're sick of this and we're not going to let this happen anymore. Um, so Trump had nothing to do with that. And yeah. I just really wanted to clarify that. No, you, you're right. Trump did not go out and, and tell people to do that because the left would have lost their minds. Of course he didn't do that. And it would be irresponsible to do that, obviously. But Trump he did, is however. trying to but he's trying to bring law and order. And I'm a big fan. And if you're an did. adult, if you're an adult and you have a business in that area or your friend has a business and you want to go try to protect your livelihood from having everything you've built in your entire life ripped away from you. And you want to stand in front of your business with armed yourself legally, if you're legally allowed to carry then that is, I, that's your right to do that. But a 17-year-old should never have been allowed out of the house with his gun to go patrol the streets. I agree. And the big argument here now is why is no one following the curfew? We have a 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. curfew from yesterday, well, and before it was 8 p.m., to Sunday. If you're out on those streets, whatever side you're on, you're wrong. You're wrong and you're asking for it. I would ask the country respectfully, Please stay out of Kenosha, Wisconsin. Whether you are a rioter or whether you want to protect us, we appreciate that. Stay away. Let us heal. Let us rebuild and let us figure this out because all of you coming in are making it worse. Uh, The feds came last night and more National Guard. Thank you to President Trump. And I will say it was a lot more peaceful and a lot of us got some sleep last night. And it's interesting that, well, let me ask you, uh, do you have any friends who are liberal? I do. Do they blame this violence on President Trump? Absolutely, 100%. And what what do they say? How how is President Trump responsible for this? What is their reasoning? Uh, That he incites this by, um, well, like like the previous caller, you know, the the rumor that Trump is telling people to go out and kill people, um, that Trump tells these police departments to just shoot and not ask questions or not effectively do things. It's all Trump heading up every single thing. That is against 
um, you know, BLM or anything like that. It's that that's amazing because you even had uh, Don Lemon in, um, Chris Cuomo on CNN during their handoff uh, talking about it and saying it's got to stop. The polls are reflecting that this is a problem. And I thought, wow. So the polls are reflecting it. So this is why now it's time to stop the violence because the polls are, are reflecting this, that people in inner cities are fed up with this and they're not necessarily blaming President Trump. Janine, stay safe. Thank you for your perspective from Kenosha. We really appreciate the firsthand account. You and thank you. Yes, you too. And thank you for listening to the Brian Kilmeade show. There's actually a video. There's so many of them making the rounds, right? There was one in Kenosha of a Papa John's and the windows all broken out. And there's a guy, an older guy, probably in his forties in the window, you know, screaming at this girl, a young girl and, and saying, he said, what are you guys trying to do? Are you trying to get Donald Trump reelected? Is that what you're trying to do? And she's like, they're not with us. They're not part of our movement. Yeah. Well, they're out here with you. So and I, I think that's becoming a concern for the left, that this violence, people are going to put two and two together, and it is going to get Donald Trump reelected. And they're very, very leery of that. They're starting now to pay attention. And now you might see the Democrats start to do something about it. Very, very quickly in Pensacola, Keith, uh, we've got less than one minute. Good morning. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry about that. I happen to agree. That 17-year-old should have never been out there. And it's the actual... Um, you know, it's the it's the cops and the and the managing personnel that manage that place that won't bring in the actual professionals to take care of it. Well, That's not every childhood. not everybody can afford that. Yeah, he he's a but, kid. Yeah, he was a kid, seventeen years old. I don't think that everyone who owns like a small mattress store or that that um the furniture warehouse that it w- was in the family for like forty some odd years and they totally destroyed and burned the entire thing to the ground. That guy can't afford private security can't afford that but if and i have seen pictures of private business owners with their friends and their adult men standing there armed legally carrying and legally defending their business that's different than a 17 year old heading off to go you know fight the good fight that that to me is wrong you're listening to the brian kilmeade show from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hey, good morning. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. Joining us later this hour, we'll be joined by Rudy Giuliani, former New York City mayor and personal attorney for the president. Joining us right now, though, Senator Rick Scott of the Senate Homeland Security and Armed Services Committee. Senator, thank you for joining us. Hi, Mary. How are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. There are so many things that, boy, we need to get to, and I know we don't have a whole lot of time with you, so... I'm going to try to pick your brain. (laughs) The first thing I want to start out with is the hurricane. We have to talk about Hurricane Laura. You're from Florida. You dealt with a lot of hurricanes, obviously. But what's happening in uh, the Gulf Coast, uh, where Hurricane Laura made landfall this morning at about 2.30 our time, east east time, uh, it was a Cat 4 hurricane. Did did you ever see a Cat 4 hurricane hit Florida? Were you ever around for something like that? 
Yeah, I think Michael, I think when Michael hit, Michael was a five and one hit Panama City. And the hard thing about Michael was that it, it happened fast. Um, it, it hit us, um, it was Wednesday morning, and it's, it started um, really building up uh, Sunday. And so it happened really fast. And, and it was like Laura in that it it, uh, it got bigger pretty fast right at the end. And then I think Irma also was a five when it hit us. And, and Irma was bigger than our entire state. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's. I mean, what you have to do to do a good job with the, with the hurricane is you've got to work your tail off to get everybody informed, and that's what I I tried to do. I had four hurricanes, so one every year. My last four years in office, major yeah. hurricanes, and and so you just and your heart goes out to people, um, and we we didn't um, we lost people in um, because of storm surge with Michael. And it was just so hard to get people to evacuate because, oh, it's only going to be a one. Oh, it's only going to be a two. And because, you know, it, it intensified at the end. And then it's hard to get people to understand that you will not survive nine foot of storm surge. It will move your house. It will destroy your house. And it did. If you looked at the pictures of Mexico Beach after Michael, it just destroyed um, Mexico Beach, the, the town. It, it was just absolutely destroyed. Houses were picked up and moved. Um, and Irma... Irma hit the keys first, nine for the storm surge. You will not survive it. Uh, I met one person that, that stayed in this house during it, a uh, one-story house, and the water got up to his chin, and he was he, he couldn't go anywhere. He was just lucky it started receding, or otherwise he would have passed away. So uh, it's scary. Yeah, I, I saw people yesterday saying that they were going to stay. You know, they had they had to stay for whatever reason. And from what I heard, Cat 4, they're saying that is unsurvivable, a, a Cat yeah. 4. Now, apparently with Hurricane Laura, Laura came, a, came ashore as a Cat 4, quickly went to a Cat 3 and is now a, a, predicted to be a Cat 1 or is on its way to being a Cat 1 as it moves further inland. And that makes sense that that would happen. The storm surge, though, apparently not as high as they thought that it was going to be because she is moving so fast. And the winds are down to 75 miles an hour at this point, which is fantastic. Um, when it comes to some kind of federal response from that, what do you want to see the president do when it comes to Hurricane Laura? He's supposed to speak tonight at the RNC. I'm assuming that his plans will not change because of Hurricane Laura. What do you think he needs to do, though? Well, President Trump has done a good job of being responsive and doing pre-landfall declarations, which allows you to accelerate um, response. Uh, so in my time as governor, um, with President Trump, he was very responsive. There was nothing I ever asked for that he didn't provide. But the big thing he did for us is he responded early, and then he responded every time I needed anything. FEMA, my experience with FEMA has been very positive. The lady that runs the Southeast, Gracia Check, does a great job. Um, so the you know they just have to the state. What do you need? And then the federal government has been my experience under uh, President Trump has given a good response. I called up the National Guard early. I think that's really important to do because a lot of your shelters, you, you can't get the Red Cross in fast enough. And so I used the uh, National Guard to open up the shelters, and the Red Cross came in afterwards. The Red Cross, Salvation Army, they were unbelievable. They're, the Red Cross will need some support. Uh, the Gail McGovern's Red Cross does a, one, a very, very good job. The Red, they'll end up with volunteers from all over the country. It's unbelievable what the Red Cross does. Yeah. And Salvation Army, uh, there's other groups. Um, 
the Baptist uh, churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the right name, but they come in and feed people. There's other groups that come in and help feed. It's unbelievable the outpouring of support you get after a hurricane. Yeah, and just one, I just, I just want to say one thing because I know we only have a couple of minutes with you here, but that was one thing I said. This may actually be uh, a blessing in disguise in the sense in the sense that it brings Americans together at a time when we're really divided. And this may be something where people put down everything else and say, okay, we need to deal with this. And so in that sense, it could possibly be a blessing in disguise. Uh, I I, I would like to move on though. The heart goes out to people. I I heard there's a young girl who's already passed away, 11 year old girl. And that's, I mean, you just can't imagine. I can't No, I, you're, you're absolutely right. And I'm sure we're going to hear more stories like that. The the Democrats tonight are having uh, vice presidential candidate Kamala Harris give a speech at about three. I think it's three o'clock Eastern time on the night when the president is going to be speaking at the RNC. Why do you think they're bringing out the vice presidential nominee to speak before the president does to kind of preempt him as opposed to the presidential nominee? Well, I think I think they all know that that Joe Biden is a career politician and you know he'll he'll say whatever he wants and whatever he thinks he needs to to get elected, and um, so I I assume they you know they're worried about um, you know how far you know how, you know the Democrat Party you know, used to be a party for the little guy. Um, my dad was a you know, my adopted dad was a teamster, and they used to speak for them. Now it's for the radical left, and Democrats have gone off a deep end. Uh, now it's it's a socialist party, so. I don't know. Maybe they think Kamala Harris is not as defined as Joe Biden is. But Joe Biden is all the failed policies of the Obama administration. Joe Biden was part of. I mean, you look at Florida here. People don't realize how important it is that what President Trump has done, whether it's Cuba, um, to, you know, to go against the Castro regime or to hold the Maduro accountable in Venezuela. That's a big issue for Floridians. And Joe Biden is part of the appeasement. So maybe mm-hmm. they'll put out that. Um, Kamala Harris to, to say something different, but uh, I think they're they're struggling. They have no message. They can't talk about Medicare for all because America doesn't want it. They can't talk about the Green New Deal because America doesn't want it. They don't want socialism. They can't talk about socialism even that's what they are because America doesn't want it. Yeah, uh, they they are pretty much hamstrung a little bit on their on their message. Uh, the the president sending a federal guard, excuse me, national guard and federal troops into Kenosha because uh, they finally agreed to have that being done. Uh, the president coming off as the law and order president. Why have the Democrats been so uh, reluctant to condemn the violence, the rioting, the looting, everything that is happening in these cities across our country? Why have they turned a blind eye to it? First off, I think they must think that they need those votes. But in my eight years as governor, here's what I always told people. People generally care about three things, and then they'd like government to get out of their life. They want a job. They want a good education for their children, and they want to be safe. The Democrat Party, if you look at this safety idea, they've gone off a deep end. Defunding the police, that's the most radical idea ever. I mean, if you go to any community in this country, while they might like the police to change their tactics, some of their tactics, they want the police to be there. And doesn't we all want 911, somebody to answer the phone and show up if we call 911. And so I think I think the Democrats position on defunding the police is just it's radical. It's foolish. Um, So I'm glad that they're they brought, you know, they're bringing in federal resources uh, to help in Kenosha. My heart goes out to the. 
the people that have been, that they've lost two people there. Um, the people have been injured. The the homes have been destroyed. Businesses have been destroyed. Who who in their right mind thinks that's the way to change a country? Well, radicals think that's the way to change a country. In in thirty seconds, uh, the stimulus. What happened? The the extra the six hundred dollars extra to pay you to stay at home expired August first and. Democrats told me that the world was going to end, and apparently it hasn't. Um, is there another oh, stimulus Mary, bill? The Democrats stopped it. The Democrats stopped it. We had proposals to extend it, and Chuck Schumer blocked it. We've yep. been working every day. Uh, we've been, we have a, we have a call with the White House every day, trying to work on what we can do uh, to you know to take care of the people who've lost their job, the businesses that are hurting, to get the economy going. Mm-hmm. But the Democrats don't want to do anything. Yeah, well, it's interesting. The the entire world that we live in right now just seems to change from second to second, and it's so hard to keep keep it all in perspective. But Senator Rick Scott, thank you so much for joining us. We do appreciate your time. Keep fighting the good fight. All right. See you, Mary. Thanks so much. Coming up next, Rudy Giuliani on The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. And I'm Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade today. 866-408-7669 is the number we've been talking about the violence and why it's being allowed to happen. Why do you think it's being allowed to happen and continue? There's nothing left of Portland. If you see the pictures from from inside Portland now, everything's spray painted. There's garbage everywhere because, you know, these people are, are worried about the environment. And so there's garbage everywhere. And um, it's like this weird dystopian dream world thing. It's very Mad Max. It, it, it's awful. Once they're done with that, they start to head out into the suburbs and they're starting to come into the suburbs in Washington, D.C. They're in Georgetown, you know, harassing diners, people who are dining outside because you're not allowed to eat inside and getting in these people's faces and demanding that they raise their fist in solidarity with Black Lives Matter and, and you know, two millimeters from your face. And honestly, you get that close to me and somebody's going down. One of us is going down. Um, but uh I, I would not be raising my fist in solidarity. I have an incredible ability to ignore people. Uh, it's it's actually an Olympics level skill. Uh, but but I just we're just curious about all of this that's going on, and also everything being political. Everything's political too. It's really annoying. Eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Harold in Raleigh, North Carolina, on WPTF. Hey, Carol. Oh, heck, Carol. <laughs> Harold. <laughs> Hi, Harold. How are yeah, good, you? Good Sorry morning. about good, that. Good yeah, it's okay. Good morning. Number one, I will never watch another pro sports game again in life. Thirty-one black babies have been killed in Chicago since June first to to this date, and it didn't traumatize anybody. All of a sudden, a guy gets shot in in uh, Wisconsin, and LeBron James and the whole NBA walks out. I yeah. don't understand. So, what, so when is when will Black Lives Matter? I'm 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 a black man. I'm a little curious. When do they matter? And number two, police don't need to reform. Police don't. The public needs to be told when you're under arrest. Put your hands behind your back. Get locked up. If you got a problem, sue the department. Get your money. Simple. Simple. It's interesting that you say this, Harold, because I had this conversation with someone yesterday, white man, 
white gentleman, known him for decades. And we don't talk all that often. It's a business relationship and somehow got into this because like everything's political. He's like, oh, I'm walking on you know, a minefield and blah, blah, blah. And I understand you have to be very careful if you don't know your audience. Now you have to watch every word you say. And he was, oh, why did the cops have to shoot him in the back seven times? I go, why didn't he put his hands up and comply with the order? He was trespassing. He was violating, a restra- I believe, a restraining order. A woman called right. the cops because it was on a domestic, because he was on- trespassing on her property. He had a previous, he already had a warrant out for his arrest, and he had been tased. So why didn't, why is no one asking why he didn't comply? No, nobody asked that question. It's always, even the guy in Atlanta. Eric Garner, they'd all be living today if they'd have just put their hands behind their back, get locked up, get a lawyer and sue the department, and get paid. That's that's the M.O. now. It seems like that's what everybody does. Even when you're dead wrong, the department pays. I, I'm, I'm a little curious, and so I like, to, I like to ask this question if someone calls in who is African-American. Is there a silent black vote for the president, particularly among African-American males? Well, young lady, I'm a black man, and I will be voting for him because I can't vote for anybody who wants to increase my taxes. It's that basic. It's that simple. Yeah, it's interesting because Zogby came out uh, with their latest poll with the president has his highest approval ratings ever, and they show 36% of blacks polled approve of the job the president's doing. That's a stunning number. Well, it should be higher than that because if you look at that young lady's walk through Baltimore, uh, Kim Klasik, if yes. Elijah Cummings was alive today, he would get reelected. And look at look at that district. If he was living today, they would reelect him. And I don't understand how you keep what's the definition of insanity? Keep doing the same thing over and over, looking for a different result. That's yeah. twenty, fifty three years of neglect, incompetence, corruption. You name it. That's what's in Baltimore. And these people keep voting the same knuckleheads in, and it doesn't get any better. Yeah, I don't understand it. Thank you for your time. I'm a a black man, and I'm tired of this black and white thing. I'm tired of it. Yes, so am I. Harold, thank you so much. I I appreciate your comments. Yeah, Kimberly Klasik, I had the opportunity to interview her several times. Smart. Man, she is smart. And that video really put her on the map. That was a brilliant video. Um, And I actually know the uncle of the kid who did it. Young kid. He's 20, 30 years old. Put that video together of Kimberly Klasik. But he's right. They'll vote the same thing over and over again. It's kind of like when these liberals flee California. They're doing it now. And it happens all over. You know, when when they fled New York and they moved to New Jersey, because New Jersey at the time in the 80s was red and they had good schools and they had low taxes and New Jersey was inundated with all these people from New York who were fleeing the socialist hellhole they created and they went to New Jersey and voted Democrat and now New New Jersey is a socialist hellhole and they're all fleeing New Jersey and going to the Carolinas and Florida and voting Democrat. It's like a weird mental disease. I, I don't understand why you can't connect the dots. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, let's quickly go to Matt in North Carolina, listening on WZPR. Hey, Matt. Hi, Mary. Nice to meet you. N- thank you for calling in. So um, what did you want to say? Go ahead. Well, first of all, both Brian Kilmeade and Todd Stearns sent me books. Now, Robin Long Island is exactly on target. When I know why the Democrats are doing this. They thought they could defeat Trump by burning cities. But now it's backfired on them. And I studied all, I might add. 
So you thought that people were going to end Moss blame President Trump for the violence and that's not happened. So now they're starting to see the finger pointed at them. And so now they're going to have to change it. I don't know. How do you go back to undoing the damage that's been done and the billions of dollars in damage that's been done in these cities across our country? I don't understand how you put the genie back in the bottle. They don't go back and put that in. Now they say, what did we do wrong? Now we're idiots. That's what I think. Well, I would like to think that they have a moment of self-awareness, but again, like the people that I know who have fled New York to New Jersey and then voted for the same stuff they had, who are shocked at why taxes uh, went up in New Jersey. I'm like, well, did you vote for the Democrat? They're like, well, of course I did. I'm a lifelong Democrat. I'm like, well, that's why. So they don't have these moments of self-awareness, Matt. They truly don't. Uh, Thank you so much for for joining me and thank you for listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show, Matt. Drive carefully. They don't have these moments of self-awareness. There's a synapse missing. There's something not going on in their brains that makes them say, oh, A equals B. For instance, if we let people run roughshod over people's properties and we just let them burn it out. Remember that was a Baltimore, Freddie Gray riots. I think it was Freddie Gray in Baltimore, where uh, they just let the mayor decided that, you know, we were just going to let them get it out of their system. We're just going to let them destroy for like a day for 24 hours. Just get it out of their system. That shockingly didn't work. And it just spread. But there was no acknowledgement. So I think there's something wrong with some of them. Uh, Former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani coming up next right here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade today. And joining me right now, Rudy Giuliani, former New York City mayor, personal attorney for the president. You can find him on Twitter at Rudy Giuliani. That's pretty simple. Uh, Mr. Mayor, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Mary. Nice to be with you. I want. I would like to play something for you here and get your reaction to it. This is Malcolm Jenkins from the New Orleans Saints. If you want the black vote and whether you're a candidate who's looking to be elected or be reelected, if you want the black vote, These are the things that are at the top of the agenda for black people. Uh, We haven't heard it yet, and I think until we continue to demand it, until Black Lives Matter goes from just an idea or goal that we're trying to attain as a society and then actually realized in the streets, we won't see any peace. And I think we'll continue to see athletes, entertainers, as well as citizens disrupt the status quo until that's recognized. So, Mr. Mayor, what do you think about that? We're seeing the NBA uh, not playing games. We're seeing Major League Baseball not playing games, uh, all in solidarity with Black Lives Matter and these protesters, if you will, um, who are protesting uh, police brutality. Well, the Black Lives Matter people are not protesters. They're rioters. Uh, There are innocent protesters. But Black Lives Matter is about taking a riot, taking a protest and driving it into a riot. Now, what, what I think we have here is, is a uh, confusion over what we're talking about. If we're talking about the slogan, Black Lives Matter, well, that slogan, I think everyone can agree that Black Lives Matter. You would probably want a bit of a addendum to it, which says all lives matter as well, so you don't think you're excluding other people. But there's no big objection to that. 
However, if we're talking about the organization Black Lives Matter, now we have a serious problem. That organization is a terrorist organization. It's a violent organization. It was founded by and run by three trained Marxists who were trained in how to overthrow a government. Their aim is to overthrow our government and our American set of values. I'm not telling you this. I'm reading this to you out of their 19, uh, I'm sorry, 2017 manual. They want to uh, do away with private property. They want to do away with the police. They want to reduce our military to a very, very small force. They want to discourage nuclear marriage, which they think suppresses women. They'd rather have women be unmarried, no husbands, and give their child up for uh, daycare at two years old, and the state will run the daycare program. Sound familiar? That's pretty much the way they did it in China and in Russia, because they are a Marxist group. They uh, don't want the mention of God in the public square. They want it excluded from the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, They would prefer to see a new national anthem, since it was written by a slave owner. Uh, Gosh, I've missed a lot of it. Uh, They want a socialist government. They would like blacks paid a salary for the rest of their lives without working as reparations. They also would like blacks to have the right to claim private property that they feel is due and owing to them because of reparations. Um, so not not to not to interrupt you, I'm sorry, but but the the point is made, obviously, they clearly are not what they pretend to be. They're no, being... and they also have killed police officers and they walk around the streets carrying signs, kill police officers, police officers are pigs. Mm-hmm. How the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball can want us to endorse an organization that wants to kill police officers when police officers keep them alive. Police officers escort them into stadiums when they don't want to, when they don't want to sign autographs. I mean, police officers uh, uh, protect them from crowds. They all have private security, most of whom are ex-police officers. It's disgusting to see how stupid they are and how ignorant they are, which is what I'm attributing it to. I'm not attributing it to the fact that they hate police officers the way Black Lives Matter does. Black Lives Matter also has a very, very rich anti-white literature expressing tremendous hatred for white people. We're devils. We're uh, all consumed by racism, by nature, by the fact that they're white, we're racist. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know how ignorant our society has become or how prone to pandering or how frightened or how worried they are about the big gates. But this is a horrible, horrible thing that professional sports is doing. I think the commissioner of football really, really disgraced himself by taking a knee. What's he taking a knee for? But but don't you think, sir, don't you think that this has a time limit? This is going to play out and they're just committing suicide. I mean, these players expect to not work and still be paid. And these, these well, NFL, uh, you know, they're all, that's going to work for them for a while, but how much longer can they continue to not have games and continue to pay, play, pay these players? That's unsustainable in and of itself. Well, welfare has gone on for 50 years, and there are some families going into the third and fourth generation. of, it. And, of course, socialism suggests that you can get paid and not work. So I don't know what crazy ideas they have in their heads, uh, but look, I mean, 
it, it, it's, it, it's totally a shame because sports should not be involved in politics. It's the one place you can go. I remember during September 11 when I was going through pretty intense experience, the only thing that would give me relaxation was watching my son play high school football. Sure. And then, and then watching the Yankees uh, compete for the, pe- for the pennant. Look, I am, I am considered the number one Yankee fan. And it's hard, yes. it's hard for me to find a bigger – there may be Yankee fans with my intensity, but nobody with more. I wear a Yankee ring every day. I will not go to a Yankee game until they apologize to the police. And you're not the only one. We had a gentleman on call earlier in, in this hour who identified as a black man, and he said he will not go to another sporting event until they start to talk about black lives that are lost, children that are lost in, for instance, Chicago, children that uh, that are lost all over this country. There, there are in New York. You saw the picture of the guy. There was a video of the guy walking down the street holding his little daughter's hand, and a car drove up next to him and shot him, killed him. And until there's a he's young man, a the young man that I think you know was the one that really drove me. A one-year-old boy. He was in his. He, he was. He was at a party in Brooklyn. His name is Dabble Gardner Jr. And he was shot and killed. And um, the president knew about it, and I knew about it, and a few people knew about it. Black Lives Matter didn't say a darn thing about that. Nor did they say anything about Captain Dorn, who was an African American police yes. officer who was assassinated, uh, nor did they say anything about the 25 blacks that are killed every weekend in Chicago right. or the 10 killed every weekend in New York now, the number rising by 58%. You know, what what me... is happening is uh, the, the Democrat Party is literally becoming a pro-criminal anti-police party. And you can see it because it's Democrat cities where this happens, not Republican. I think they feel that they're allowed to do this. Because nobody, I haven't heard Nancy Pelosi say you shouldn't break windows and you shouldn't burn cars and you shouldn't shoot people. And I also think we're at the point where we have to realize that these protests almost, you know, invariably turn into riots. So if you're going to a protest that you know is going to end up in people being beaten, assaulted, things being stolen, maybe you shouldn't go to the protest. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. In the time that we have left, uh, New York City, um, I'm a big fan of New York City, grew up in New Jersey. Uh, My husband and I would go into the city every Christmas to to go to St. Patrick's to go to Mass, and we go to to our favorite restaurant in New York, we hit Patsy's. We uh, go to see the windows at Macy's and all the, uh, you know, all the the one beautiful Christmas windows. We're not going this year because New York has become something out of, uh, you know, Mad Max. It's awful. What is it going to take? You walked in after uh, Mayor Dinkins and you had a huge mess to clean up. Uh, Mayor de Blasio has, I always said he was going to Dinkins up the city. Well, he has far exceeded anything that Mayor Dinkins has done. How can New York City come back from the mess that it's in right now? It's going to have to elect something other than a Democrat and someone who is independent of the absurd left-wing ideas of the Democratic Party, who is free of the fear that the Democrats have of Black Lives Matter so that they bow down to them and execute their agenda. It's going to need an independent person of common sense who realizes that the law has to be enforced equally against everyone. It doesn't have to be done harshly. It doesn't have to be done in a mean way. But I'll tell you, 
here's a simple example. Anytime I see a riot, particularly a second one, I say to myself, the mayor has to go. This is not a mayor. This town has some kind of a hack politician or cowardly little fool running it because you don't ever have to have a riot. What you do is you say to the people of your city, you can, you can protest peacefully all you want. I had plenty of them. I had some really, really intense peaceful protests with police shootings. But I never had a riot because they knew I would arrest the first person who threw a stone, the first person that spitted a cop, the first person that burned a car, the first person that stole property, and then the second, and then the third, and then the fourth, and then the fifth. And I would say to them, I got a lot of empty beds, right? This island is only half full. And then I got a couple other islands I can put you on. But, you know, you're not going to exhaust me and try me out. And they never did. So let me ask can you. you, can, you see, can you see one of these weakling Democrats doing that? No. So let me ask you. Uh, racist. No, I was just the opposite of a racist. You know what I was protecting? I was protecting the black businesses in Harlem. I was protecting the, the black stores in Bedford-Stuyvesant. Yeah. I was protecting the vast majority of innocent black people who become the victims of these hooligans. What that, they're doing is they, they are elevating the rights of this small percentage of criminals against the rights of the decent black people. Who, who, when murder goes up 70 or 80 percent, as it happens in New York, you know, 75 percent of the people murdered are black people. Well, they are the ones who we know are disproportionately hurt by these riots because of where, where these uh, riots occur, usually in the inner cities, and their neighborhoods are destroyed and they're hurt disproportionately more. We're running out of time here, uh, Mayor. But if you would like to hear more of the mayor, you can find him in New York on WABC 770 to 4 p.m. And, uh, you know, I anxiously await the possible return of a Mayor Giuliani to New York again, maybe. <laughs> Okay, Mary, we'll talk some more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mayor Rudy Giuliani. I tried. I tried to get him to say whether he would run for mayor again. I don't even know if he can. But, wow, what a cleanup job he is going to have to do. Oh, we're going to take your calls. I'm going to talk to you. 866-408-7669. That's next on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Last week, Joe Biden didn't say one word about the violence and chaos engulfing cities across this country. So let me be clear. The violence must stop, whether in Minneapolis, Portland, or Kenosha. Too many heroes have died defending our freedom to see Americans strike each other down. That was the vice president last night at the RNC. And the Republicans and the Trump administration have not been shy about saying, hey, we're for law and order. You cannot continue to do this. But um, the, the mayors and the governors in those states will not allow the federal uh, troops in. They will not allow National Guard troops in. And so the president has to sit by and watch them burn their cities to the ground. Now, the people who are trapped in those cities, a lot of them, from what I understand, are blaming President Trump for their current situation, which is insane. But nobody ever credited credited a lot of them with being that bright to begin with. So it, it's somewhat understandable. Uh, 
And, and, and the president now finally uh, getting permission to send those troops into Kenosha. It's going to happen. And it needs to happen. It needs to be stopped. And maybe there can be a visual there for what happens when the Democrats allow law and order to take place. 866-408-7669. I want to get you in here in Orlando, Florida. George on WDBO. Hey, George, how are you? Hey, Mary, thank you for taking my call. Um, I, I read Brian's book, uh, Sam Houston. And yes. I know, uh, can, you, can you just thank him for me for giving, him, uh, giving me the gift of historical perspective? I, 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 drove, I, I, was, I read the book on my way to San Diego with a stop into Dallas. And so it gave me the eyes of uh, the historical perspective of Texas. So I just wanted you to thank him. Thank, if you would thank him for me, I, I, I love that gift. But talking about a historical perspective, uh, you, know, you had the uh, Rudy just on. And about New York, and I was thinking about all this stuff that's going on in New York, and the historical perspective is what's changed. What and what's really changed is the Senate. The, the in New York, the Senate has uh, changed while we were sleeping. Uh, the, the, the Senate went from uh, uh, from red to blue. They were the ones that checked the, the crazy liberal uh, uh, ideas of the governor. And when when the, the Senate changed uh, the uh, no bail laws, uh, the uh, abortion up to birth, uh, the the, the uh, this no respect for life have changed. And that's why we're seeing this chaos is because while we were sleeping. They got in uh, into the Senate and changed up the makeup, and they have a, a, a blue pr- a trifecta in New York. And, and that is one one perspective. And the other thing is on, on the RNC uh, convention, we're talking about the communists of China. And uh, I'm a little bit of a historical nut on Viet- the time of Vietnam. And the, Vietnam, the fall of Vietnam, the Chinese uh, communist China is a very patient um, organization or a country or the, the, the people mm-hmm. very patient and they um, uh, know that the pen is mightier than the, the sword and we uh, we thought that maybe time would heal all wounds but it didn't it festered we didn't we didn't address the problem which was the fake news media not being held accountable and the student dissidents in that time is basically Rudy saw talked about the uh, uh, the Black Lives Matter, yes. uh, the, the the name, and and they changed that in that time. They had the communist, uh, the uh, uh, the China Democracy Organizations that just the name sounds great, but actually right. it's a communist organization. Yeah, and it's so, like social democracy. George, thank you so much. Brian will be thrilled to know that you love the, his books, and his books are a great read. And I'm not saying that just because I'm sitting in for him. I actually read his books, and I really do enjoy them. But I'm a history buff, and I just like the way he tells the story. But um, it, it's it's all about like social. It, it's not socialism. It's democratic socialism. Oh, gee. Okay. Well, that's so much better. No, it's just made up. It's it's like when they say Antifa. Well, they're not the fascists. They're anti-fascists. It's their name. Okay. Well, how about if we look at what they're doing? Their tactics are fascist. They are. So just because they call themselves anti-fascist doesn't mean that they are. I can run around calling myself the Easter Bunny, but that doesn't mean that I am. You know, it would probably be a great gig because you only work once a year. But still, that doesn't mean that I am. So George is absolutely right. You have to look at the Orwellian um, massaging of language. It's cancel culture. No, it's fascism. People need to know the definition of words. I'm Mary Walter, and you are listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show.
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. In these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.